Well, we, I don't know. We can get into it though, but I am, I am kind of a fraud in a certain way. <laughs> oh, that's a good place to start. And in what way are you a fraud? Because for some, my whole life, right. Um, that, so really Scott comes out with Napoleon. I'm a huge Napoleon fan. I have like a, a 20 by 20 hand painted. My friend painted me a, this whole uh, portrait of Napoleon. I've read like probably 50 books you know, on the whole okay. era itself. Okay. It's just like, I don't know. It's just, I, I just, it's just my thing. Right. And I just haven't seen <laughs> the movie yet. So I'm, I'm very, I'm very disappointed in myself. Oh man. I went to see it in IMAX. Yeah, but it got, I heard it got bad reviews and it kind of threw me off. Yeah. People don't know what they're talking about. Is it good? I had fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird i mean it's really weird it's not really a biopic if you're looking to learn about napoleon no I right i wouldn't yeah. necessarily go there for any kind of historical accuracy but that's not what really scott cares about so he he's basically it's basically like a he he turns it into a love story between him and josephine and that's i don't i don't know i never read that that book the letters that they they write to each other yeah. back and forth so i i don't really it well, was a lot could, of letters maybe, yeah, I, I know there's a ton of letters, but no one cares about that. Literally. I mean, in, in the movie, about... there's a lot of letters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, let's start the podcast. Um, <laughs> as you know, I don't know how to start the podcast. It'll either be a good discussion about Ridley Scott or something along the lines of Welcome to Late the Movies. My name is Ben Holt. This is a podcast where my friends and I get to fill in our movie blind spots. Each week, we'll pick a film that either I or a guest or sometimes both of us hadn't seen before and really should have by now. This week, Coming out on Christmas. It's Christmas in Connecticut. Um, I think this is one of two options that we could have had to come out on December 25th. The other one is a slasher movie. And this is more of an actual classic Christmas movie. So it feels like probably the right call. Although the Christmas of it all, a little incidental to the action of the movie. We'll get into it. Uh, my guess this week. Left to right across your podcast dial. Anthony's back. How's it going, Anthony? Ben, everything is hunky dory. He just loved saying that. Oh. Hunk, no, hunky donkey. Damn it, I messed that it's up. Okay. No, I, <laughs> if people people will know what you're talking about. Yeah. That guy. I, I like that guy. I have it written down. Can Uncle written down Uncle right Felix now? pops. Yeah, no, I have a, I have a lot to say yep. about him. He's just popping up in um, I mean he's um a, a Jack Warner favorite. Is that guy? Yeah. Uh, Jack Warner called him Cuddles. Yeah. Why? Why did in the opening credits is I noticed that? Why? Why? Um, I don't know. It's because of his Hungarian personality. He uh, okay on his on S S Z Sakal is the name of the guy who plays Uncle Felix. He's in a bunch of stuff. He's in Casablanca. Yeah. Uh, his rotund cuteness caused studio head Jack Warner to bestow on Sakal the nickname Cuddles. So there you go. Oh, nice. Yeah, that, that makes guy, sense. That guy rocks. <laughs> he's the he's the best character in this yeah. movie. <laughs> so I wonder if in, I wonder if he like hated that nickname, but in every Warner Brothers movie, he has to be credited as Cuddles. <laughs> Just because Jack Warner insisted. <laughs> Anyway, um, Christmas in Connecticut. It's a 1945 romantic comedy 
kind of screwball-y. Not quite. Though. It doesn't really have the patter of it. So yeah, romantic comedy. That, that's that's the way to put it, probably. Directed by Peter Godfrey. We'll, uh, starring Barbara Stanwyck, Dennis Morgan, and Sidney Greenstreet. We'll get into all that. That's just the quick bio, this quick CV for the movie we're talking about. Before that, though, Anthony, have you seen anything good recently? Uh, yeah, but I, I've watched a ton okay. of good stuff. Um, I, I, I didn't see um, Five Nights no, at no. Freddy's in theaters but I, I i ended up watching it in on just off of peacock i, I thought it was very good but willie's wonderland was better to interesting, me uh, interesting. I, I enjoyed that better or more um i, I watched all of uh fall of the house of usher i thought it was pretty good uh i didn't i don't i don't think it was as good as the other ones but it was yeah pretty good nonetheless um there's a great show on uh there's two great shows on Hulu. Season five of Fargo is is phenomenal. John Hamm is is the man. The guy the guy's just an incredible actor. He he he's he has one of the best characters in in that Fargo series. And uh, there's another show called Murder at the End of the World, uh, also on Hulu that is very very good. Stars Clive. Okay, Owen. I like Clive Owen. He's uh, there's a minute there where he was like such a you know anytime he's in a thing it's like whoa, who's this guy? And then in demand, yeah. I mean, he did the Nick, which I didn't watch, but apparently, really good TV show. But um, he played in this show. He plays sort of like uh, Elon Musk times Steve Jobs, Bill Gates type character, and then he brings all these people to a retreat in a remote part of like he's like in Iceland or something like that. He's just like the super rich, rich billionaire, and then people start dying, and then you figure out he's trying to cover oh, something up. Uh, it, but it's the acting is really good. The lead actor is. I forgot her name, but she's uh, English. She's re- she's really really good in it. Damn. Okay. Cool. And um, no, on, on the Christmas theme, uh, an excellent Christmas movie, and they're, they're going to make a bunch of them. Uh, Violent Night with uh, David Harbour was was so good, <laughs> and um, John Leguizamo. That it was re- very very funny. Okay. All right. I loved it. Let's go. That's not the. Uh, there's a John Woo movie that's like in theaters now that also has like a punny name like that, but I can't remember the name of it. But John Woo's back. He's making movies that get, I don't know, it has like a 30 on Rotten Tomatoes or something, but but it exists. Yeah. Um, what is that one called? Silent Night. Uh, okay. So it's not even a pun. <laughs> yeah, Just, right. Yeah. It it stars, uh, what's his face? Yeah, uh, that Joel. guy. The guy from yes. Joel Kinnaman from Term, um, RoboCop and The Killing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know about all that. No, I, I didn't see that. You, if I highly recommend uh, Violent Night, it, it's uh, very okay. weird, but it sort of spoofs Home Alone. There's a there's a cool Home Alone setting the trap spoof scene uh, that is very very funny. Um, David Harbour's great in it. John Leguizamo's great in it, and uh, it's just a stupid Christmas movie, but it's very it's an easy watch i really all right cool it. yeah that'll, that'll get added added in my brain to a list that i really should write down because i always forget to do these things but yeah nice that's great anything else it just came out on netflix it's um it stars uh julia roberts yes and uh ethan hawk and mahershala oh, what was that called? Uh, yep and Kevin yeah, Bacon. I just looked this up because I was listening to a podcast that, and it's a Sam Eshmael movie. 
he made Mr. Robot and he's worked with Julia Roberts a bunch of times in the last few years now because I guess she just works with Sam Esmail now. Oh, leave the world behind. Leave the world behind, right. That um, I want to check that out. That's just on Netflix, so easy enough to get to. I mean, theoretically. Before it's, life it's gets really, in the way. Uh, I watched it. And it's really good, but it, it takes a minute to get into. And then I saw, I, I rewatched, I didn't rewatch the whole thing, but then I rewatched like the last 25 minutes of it. It's it's actually really good. It's it's very suspenseful, but nothing really. Oh, happened. interesting. That sounds kind of neat. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> it, nothing really happens until like the very, very end. But the, the ending is okay. the best. I can believe that. Highly okay. recommend. And then what, what I sent you yesterday, I can't wait till summer for Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, it's what, semicolon XLF? Is that what it is or something? Yeah. Okay. They bring back the theme song, Taggart's in it, Judge Reinhold's in it. Oh, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> Christmas in Connecticut. Very quaint. I mean, it's a f- 40s movie, right? I had fun. I had never seen this movie before. I didn't know a ton about it. How about you? I, I've never seen this movie before. I was just looking up uh, cl- classic Christmas movies, and this uh, was on a lot of lists in the top, you know, top six, top five, top ten. So that's why that's why I pitched it to you, and glad yeah, you took it. Yeah, I um, I have a lot to say. I think about it, which is good because we're only about twenty minutes into the recording, and I, you know, so it's not all, all not all twenty minutes is going to make it. It never does. Um, but before <laughs> we get into it, we got to do a one minute plot summary. Do you have something prepared? Yep. Excellent. Whenever you're ready. Okay. After helping Rick Blaine defeat Major Strasser, some members from the cast of Casablanca decided to spend Christmas in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Liz Lane is a popular cook and magazine personality in America. Unexpectedly, unexpectedly forced by her publisher to cook a Christmas dinner for a war hero, Jefferson Jones. But Liz can't cook, doesn't own a farm in Connecticut, and doesn't have a baby. She's a fraud. <laughs> Uh, Liz agrees to marry her stalker, John, who has a farm who has a farm in Connecticut, and her uncle Felix will really be the cook. But Jazzy Jeff shows up two hours early and they fall in love at first sight, much to John's chagrin. High drinks ensue and the ruse is up when Mr. Yardley, her publisher, figures out the baby isn't hers and fires her on the spot. Uncle Felix comes to the rescue, gets Yardley to hire Liz back, and plays matchmaker and gets Jefferson to fall in love with Liz, and just like everything else in 1945, they all live happily ever after. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that pretty much sums it up. So, if you haven't seen this movie before, we already sort of referenced this, but I was describing the plot to my sister, and she immediately picked up on sort of the central takeaway from me watching this without a ton of context going in, which is this is pretty much wholesale lifted um, the structure of most Hallmark movies about Christmas. A hundred percent. But I, I think, it, I think there's two messages though, in this movie. Women belong in the kitchen. And what's the second one? <laughs> well, I, I, I think, I think you can take this sure. movie that way and you can say, Oh, it's 1945. We we're winning world war two. So, the men are away fighting wars. Women are in the workforce. Now, as everybody's coming back home, right, things are going to go back to normal and 
men are going to go back to work and women are going to stay home. However, I think you can spin it a different. I think you can, you can almost spin this movie a different way that they're trying to portray. Here's a woman who's trapped by that mentality in society, but she has her own life. She has her own. She's not. She's not married. She's not confined to the kitchen or the home. But she's. She has her own sort of like publication where she's writing about those things, but has none of them herself. So she is like a, in her own way, sort of like an independent woman. I. I, I don't know. And, and then they sort of like force her back into the into the box, yeah. that they want to put her in. But I don't. I don't know. I. I thought. Maybe maybe they were trying to send maybe a little bit of a different message that you you don't really need to send. Yeah, it's down. tough because the. The sort of tension of the movie is that her entire livelihood and way of life is threatened by just the idea that the public might find out that she isn't an expert homemaker. <laughs> um, right. So it is like, yeah, is that commentary or is that just, it, it's tough to look at it through like 2023 eyes and be like, okay, do they know that this feels ridiculous and they're kind of making a joke out of that? Or is that just sort of like, oh yes, of course those are the stakes. Um, but I mean, to to your point, so Barbara Stanwyck, who plays uh, Elizabeth Lane, obviously is um, bumping up against the ceiling pretty aggressively and 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 pretty uncomfortable with with the sort of boxes everyone's trying to place her in. And and towards the end of the movie, has a uh, you know she yells at her boss, pretty much saying exactly that. Yeah. But she, she's in on the roof, oh, so yeah. like her and the not Mister Yardley, but the other guy yes. D- Dudley. She, they 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 both are in on it. They both are portraying yeah. this sort of like Susie homemaker mentality. But they knowing both of them, well, they both know that she's none of those things. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely perpetuating this um, impossible ideal of like the perfect wife, right? Um, and it comes right. back to bite them in the ass a little bit. And at the end of the movie, does she have a job? <laughs> Yeah, she gets paid double by Miss by uh, Senor Ferrari, the owner of the Blue Parrot in Casablanca. I think you mean Mr. Gutman, the guy who's trying to get the Maltese Falcon in the Maltese Falcon. But yes, um, <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah, that guy. What a what an early forties for him. I'm just in you know banger after banger for Sydney Green Street. Um, and then he dies. He dies yes. in 1951. Yeah, he dies very soon after this sort of all heaters run. <laughs> The guy he was born in 1879. Yeah. Yes. Um I, I did appreciate I'm assuming I'm taking it as a reference. At one point his character is referred to as the fat man, which is pretty much how he's referred to more than half the time in Maltese Falcon. So Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, right. Well uh well well in I uh Warner at this time though the movie studios are a lot oh, different yeah. than they are today. So Warner Brothers owns they own the right to these actors. It's not like he can't act for like a Paramount or whoever else Columbia Pictures at the time. He has to only star in Warner Brothers films unless Warner Brothers either loans him out to another studio or another studio basically rents rents them. But it you have to they they own these actors at this time. That's why they you always see these get these same set of actors in Warner brothers yeah. films. Yeah. And, um, sp- I mean, speaking of the actors in Warner brothers, so Dennis Morgan, who's the male lead of the movie, he wasn't named Dennis Morgan until he came over to Warner. And this was also a thing studios could do at the time. They were like, you're named Dennis Morgan now. <laughs> yeah. 
it, it, it's sort of like rebilling and try to, to, try, right, to try yeah. to make money. He was um, at Paramount. He went by Richard Stanley, and before that at MGM, he went by Stanley Morner, which is uh, you know the closest to his actual name. His name was Earl Stanley Morner. Um, the name Earl, not the title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's, he's like, where is he from? Yes. Wisconsin or something like that? Yes, Wisconsin. Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. Midwest boy. Um, a year younger than Barbara Stanwyck in this, who is, uh, I think the main people all get paid a lot in this movie, but um, Barbara Stanwyck, at least the year before, when she makes Double Indemnity, she's in 1944, the highest paid woman in, in Hollywood. Um, a huge presence in film history that we haven't talked about before. Um yeah, Barbara Stanwyck is. I like her a lot in this movie, and yeah. like you said, she's playing this in a like the nurse who pops up early in the movie. She's sort of doing the kind of um, really stereotypical, pretty retrograde view of like how women are behaving or whatever. But I feel like Barbara Stanwyck feels a f- yeah, even within like the situations she's in, which are pretty shitty. Um, she herself feels like it's, uh, you know, still holds up pretty well. It's fairly modern take on it. I feel like. Yeah. No, you're a hundred percent right. Mar- Mary Lee's the nurse and she's, you have to put a lot of, uh, you got to give them the old Magoo. You got to give them the old Magoo. <laughs> yeah. That, that jumped out to me real early in the movie. We should mention the first, like, so I got talk about Barbara Samuel. She's not in it until what the first 10 15 minutes into the movie there's yeah there's, there's a shipwreck exists, and then right. like a lengthy sequence of dennis morgan and a guy who seems like a main character in the movie just recuperating in a military hospital um and then that guy's not in the movie again after that but he does talk about the old magoo quite a bit yep which is basically yeah. just lying to women yeah, like and, uh, so I thought we were being set up for um, Jeffrey Jones, Dennis Morgan's character, to sort of be like a cad who's also lying the whole time. And the movie kind of treats it like that at the end when she's like, well, you lied to me too. And then they're like, well, I, then I guess we're even. Um, and in her defense, lying about a lie of omission that he, to his knowledge, is kind of engaged while he's flirting with Barbara Stanwyck. Um, but it's not really on the same scale. It seems like he's kind of going to be a jerk who's like lying to women and telling them what they want to hear just to get what he wants. But that's not really how he it plays out. But in the beginning of the film, he says he says that that's not the right thing to do. You're going to he says something like you're going to break a lot of women's yeah. hearts that way. And then the other guy says, well, well, the Magoo gets you in and the old Magoo will get you say out. That. Yeah, you're right. He did. Yeah, I guess Dennis Morgan's <laughs> like, that's not my normal nature. But to me, it's like, oh, now this guy's been, he's had a taste of the old Magoo. And now that he's not going back, this is going to be him and for now on. But not really. I guess that it was just right. that one moment with the nurse. Um, and he also doesn't want to be engaged to Mary Lee. Mary Lee wants to be engaged yeah, to the other guy. Clearly, because she ends up getting married to him. So, I mean, without telling Jeff. It's everybody's. Right. Everybody's old Magoo and everybody in this movie. People are addicted to the old Magoo in this thing, man. Um, it's a, but um, I, well, I wanted to go back to the, your your point earlier on Mary Lee about she's she's just trying to do the shtick of I'm um, just a damsel in distress looking for a husband. But uh, Liz Lane, Barbara Stanwyck's character, she buys herself a, a yeah. mink coat, and she says, "I made a promise to myself to buy a mink coat." 
and you should keep your promises, especially to yourself. I, to me, I took that as I, I made my own money. I'm going to buy myself a mink coat. I don't, I, yeah. this is what I do. And she's, uh, you know what I mean? So like, I was going to say like in forties terms too, cause she's Barbara Stanwyck's in her, I think mid to late thirties here. And it's not like she's playing younger. It feels, she feels like a woman right. in her mid to late thirties who has her own career and is really successful. That's why I'm saying some of the reviews are, are a little too, I think they're a little too on the nose about, oh, this is just another, this is a movie from the forties and it has those same tropes of, yeah. uh, uh, here's a strong man coming to save, uh, you know, a lonely old woman. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily that. I think that, I think Warner Brothers and the, the writer and director of this film are, they're doing two things. They're, they're trying to have it both ways. Yeah, I, I agree. But um, they're also portraying a, a woman who's doing things on her own. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's like a kind of naughty uh, issue, naughty with a K. And um, because, yeah, yeah, on the one hand, she is bucking against all of this stuff. But then on the other hand, she does go along with it like pretty easily. And then, but then you could also say, yeah, she doesn't really have a choice. She doesn't want to lose her job and she doesn't. Um, and she does kind of say like, then whatever, I'm just not going to do it. But then it's, well, the other guy, her, her editor is going to lose his job and he's got like a family and stuff. And so she, right. so she goes with it. Um, and so she agrees to marry John. Um, and that guy, that guy sucks. I like that. It's just over the course of the movie. Yeah, At first you're like, there's not really anything wrong with this guy. He sort of looked, just looks like a young Walt Disney and, um, doesn't have like a, yeah, he does look like and Walter. he's apparently very rich, um, and seems to like Elizabeth a lot and treat her well enough. But then, as the movie goes on, he doesn't like do anything. It's not like I feel like the sort of romantic rival character who is in pole position with the girl at the beginning of these movies. It turns out he's actually cheating on her. Or it turns out he was lying about whatever. But with this guy, it just kind of turns out that he just sort of sucks. <laughs> Which yeah. I think is really funny. He basically, he's like our stalker. He's just, oh, you know how I feel about you. I've told you four I'm million times. I think about details. It's like, okay, dude, shut up. Shut up about buildings. <laughs> you just, you suck. Yeah. I like that he. Wait till you learn about the plumbing in this house. Can't yeah. Wait to tell I like you that about he that. presents as like a fancy man. And so Yardley is like, oh, this guy's on my level. We can hang out and talk about rich people's stuff. But even by the end of the movie, even Yardley, who's like, he sucks too. Even he's like, dude, just shut up. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think I think it's even him that says, like, I know he's a bore, but like, if you can go, if you can just go along with this. And I think he's using like B-O-O-R, like this guy is the worst. But if you just go along with it, we can double circulation. Yeah. <laughs> right because he, he offers him the the home building section of the new yeah. magazine he's gonna and he do. probably i mean he, he probably would be good at that because he does, it doesn't seem like he's bad at his job it just kind of seems like he's, he sucks to hang out with <laughs> well, yeah well he he i think he, he yeah. is his job and he's sort of uh putting you know unnecessary pressure on his nice old Irish housekeeping lady. <laughs> oh yeah. Nora. Uh, Nora what's her name? Nora. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that she, I love the rapport between her and, um, 
Felix. It's like she's Irish, he's Hungarian, they're arguing over Irish stew. We add a little paprika to it and you yep. turn it into goulash. Yep. Uh, genius. Felix is the best. That guy rocks. I like that character a lot. He's the best. It's the same character from Casablanca, I mean, yeah. Carl, the head yeah. waiter. He's the same guy. Um, so plot-wise, we already said this is essentially, if you've seen a Hallmark movie, you've seen a movie that rips off this plot. But yeah, it's 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 very typical sitcom sort of structure also. Um, even though it's not as funny and bantery as a screwball comedy, I feel like a lot of sitcoms steal plot beats from screwballs and this is another thing that gets stolen from it's just people forced into a situation together running from room to room where there's a different misunderstanding happening in each place that judge is weird by the way i like that he just rolls with going out the window yeah (laughs) what what kind of judge is this it's like, oh, an easy exit, huh? I get you. I feel you. I pick up what you're putting down there, Sonny. I'll go right out this window. There's no a problem. lot of things that he responds to as if, like, there's been a double entendre or there's an inside joke or there's a joke that I missed. And I th- I think the dude's just weird. Yeah, like uh, the when the baby's crying and he's like, what's that, a baby? And it's like, it's like, oh, oh, a baby, huh? What's going on over there? Why is that funny? I don't know. That guy, he's, maybe he's just having a good time. He doesn't get out of the house much. It's the most excitement he's had in a while. Like, I got to go home and trim my trim my Christmas tree. But uh, don't worry. I only live right down the street. I'll be right back tomorrow. Yeah, what's this guy do? I guess it's uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. So it's not like he has to go to work. Um, you know, obviously government offices right. are closed. So he doesn't have to go to work. But he shouldn't be this available as a judge. I feel like he shouldn't be this available. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's uh, another thing that's fun is like, I don't know, maybe among like the elite, this is still a thing. And I, I think it kind of is. But it's just funny to be like, yeah, my boss is coming for Christmas. He's going to sleep over. <laughs> I like this is right. the kind of thing yeah, that, that doesn't really that very, exist yeah. anymore of just like, yes, we are, we are having people over for Christmas. They will be sleeping over. They are not family. <laughs> Well, this kind of reminded me too of um, the Festivus episode sure. of Seinfeld when you know Kruger comes over and like here comes Mister Yardley and he's kind of like a Kruger. Yeah, yeah, you know absolutely. What I mean? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I liked a lot of stuff. I liked, uh, I liked that cow. That cow seems nice. Yeah, what? Yeah, that was that was a funny that was a funny part of the movie. I I also I had one very. Uh, the camera was just shaking way too much. Like you can tell, this is really 1945. They got it. They didn't invent the steady cam yet. It's weird because um, I don't know if you yeah, noticed that. Or maybe- yeah, yeah. It's definitely um, no. I mean, the first large scale steady cam productions, uh, The Shining. That's 1980. But like people could hold cameras well before that too. <laughs> They're just. I think this is yeah. just not. So I mentioned Peter Godfrey's the director. If you haven't heard of him, that's like he's sort of a lot of these, these are just journeyman things. But I mean, there's so many movies being produced all the time. So Barbara Stanwyck has this. Uh, this is back when actors could retire. She has like a legendary career. She's in Hollywood for about 35 years and makes 83 movies because like that's the speed that the, they were working on at the time. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's just that. When they're in the restaurant 
with um uh right yeah. early on yeah. in the beginning when uh john's try, really trying to lay it on thick if you just look at the glasses and like uh, everything's just sort of like the, it feels like the t- they're in an earthquake the table shaking the liquids all moving yeah. all over the place it was and it, it was a little distracting to me but i that's why I kind of like these old movies because the the skill and the techniques we they they don't have all that CG and stuff like that and obviously the green screen, sort of uh, not not a green screen but like just the the fake painted backgrounds. Okay. Um, I, I like I'd really backdrops; they're always good for me. Um, all that to say, there's movies we've talked about already that predate this or come out around the same time that are by actual like people who aren't just seeing this as completely, this is an industry and we're making content, which is a term that we use more now, but that is how a lot of people were seeing it at the time. But this is, I mentioned Double Indemnity comes out the year before this. That also stars Barbara Stanwyck, but that's a Billy Wilder movie and he's a fucking genius. And that movie looks incredible and invent and invented an entire aesthetic. That's the movie that every noir is aping. That's the movie that invented venetian blind lines over people's faces which is the go-to shorthand for noir in any cartoon that's ever done a noir parody right um so there are people who are thinking about this stuff is hard this is you know a few years after citizen kane um casablanca already comes out by this point maltese falcon another movie we've talked about is already out before this so there are people out there that are doing great stuff this is closer to just like kind of a fun family movie and it, it, and it works. Um, they right, make it right, for right. less than a million dollars. It makes over 4 million by some counts, which is, you know, if a movie would quadruple its budget today, that would be pretty incredible. <laughs> so pretty successful. Yeah. I, a million dollars seems like a lot of money though. Uh, to make the movie. I think a lot of that's Barbara Stanwyck. If I had to guess. Oh, I, I got you. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Uh, you're not wrong, though. Like, okay. So is the money on the screen here? I think it, with the actors, it maybe is. But um, yeah, I tell you, I'll tell you where some of that money went. That money went to the freaking tinsel on that tree. That tree was covered in garland and tinsel. Holy smokes. You can't even see the lights. That's a tinsel freaking tree. That is uh, in a that lot too of. Much. Uh, a lot of the, like what are, what are the best Christmas movie lists when this is brought up, it's mentioned like this is really Christmassy. There's a part with a really tinselly tree. So, you know, you know, it is. Um, Save some of that tinsel for the war. Effort. Um, My seriously. Goodness, you know, um, I feel like I was putting down Peter Godfrey a bit, but there are like a lot of, you know, actually legendary craftsmen who work on this, too, specifically um, the gowns in this movie are in part designed the Barbara Sandwich gowns, I should say are in part designed by Edith head um, who is maybe like the most legendary costume designer of American movies. Um, Yeah. Right. 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 If I think for people maybe around our age or maybe even a little, little younger, the main point of reference for her is that's who um, Pixar based Edna mode in the incredible song. (laughs) right yeah right no for sure and i think the the setting in the background uh and just the overall aesthetic of the film i i think is is excellent yeah um i, I think it hits me on the head yeah absolutely <laughs> um 
Did you, have you ever seen Double Indemnity? I've mentioned it a couple times now, and I love that movie. No, I've never seen. So Double that Indemnity. is, uh, I watched that in college. Was the first time I watched it. It was one of those things where you're like, oh, that's where this is from, because it's a like the way noir's sound and look is just straight up double indemnity. <laughs> and it's always fun to watch a thing that's yeah. like, Oh, this is what everything is basing their shit on. Um, I felt that way. I, so we did a couple weeks ago, it's a wonderful life, which I hadn't actually sat down and watched all the way through yeah. before. It's like, Oh, I got all the references now <laughs> with Jimmy Stewart. Yay. Yes. We, we keep the streak of people doing Jimmy Stewart, uh, voices on the podcast alive. Um, <laughs> That movie rocked, by the way. That it's also good. That's that's my go-to way to describe movies I like now is that they rocked. I feel like saying things rocked went out of style maybe 15 years ago, but uh, me on this podcast alone is bringing it back. Yeah, oh, that's all right. <laughs> yeah, you you it's your podcast and you're the host. You can say whatever exactly. you want about a movie. Um, the the ease and immediacy with which Barbara Stanwyck falls in love with Dennis Morgan. Within half a second of seeing him, oh, so it's she over. Opens the door. It's, it's just over for our friend John, who she fully intends to marry. It's not like she's trying to trick John just to use the house. She is going to marry John, and then she sees Dennis Morgan, and she's like, "Oh, this she is does. what men can look like." I didn't know. <laughs> she she's not trying to trick John, but Dudley yes. is, and Dud, maybe they're on they're on different wavelengths. Yeah, there. D- Dudley, who's her editor. He he's he's early on the this guy just sucks train. He's there at the beginning of the movie. Everyone else catches up eventually. But when when um, Jazzy Jeff shows up, this is where the movie takes yep. a turn. And then then Barbara Stanwyck becomes the oh, I don't know how to flip flapjacks. I can't change a baby's diaper. I can't cook. I can't give a bath to a baby. I know nothing about cows. I'm just a helpless woman on faking myself my way through a farm yeah. in Connecticut. I mean, that's when the movie like starts pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, because now right. you have like, then it becomes a romantic comedy, not just a lady who's in a shitty situation. <laughs> yeah. And then, then she, then, then it's like real high drinks of like, well, how can we, Oh, the judge is back. Oh, Felix, the baby ate your watch and the baby's still alive. No way. <laughs> we got to cut the baby open to get that's the watch quick out. thinking by Felix. To to fake that the yeah. baby ate his and yeah, and I love the the reveal at the end, which like I don't even know if it's supposed to be played for laughs as much as I laughed at it. Just that the watch he claimed the baby ate was a massive pocket watch with a huge chain, <laughs> the size of yeah. his eye. Yeah, yeah, it's really funny that he comes out and he's like, "Look, it's fine." And I think Jeff or someone's like, "The baby ate that." Good stuff. Um. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, it's it's fun. Uh, the pace could be a little faster for like maximum hijinks, but it's you know it's an eighty year old movie, so that that'll happen. Um, it does it does uh, drag a little bit. I think when they go the to the dance, I feel like you could do this all over one crazy night yeah. without going to the dance, and then like I did like the setup and payoff. I think it was really funny. It was probably the best shot sequence in the movie where the boss yearly, the, the editor, sorry, the, the publisher, the rich guy, um, is made to think or not made to think, but accidentally witnesses normal events that he interprets as 
some random ladies just kidnapped the baby. <laughs> yeah, we have, we have the Lindbergh case folded right There's a great eyes. shot like over his shoulder as he's walking up the staircase and then a reverse shot from a low angle looking up at him looking like shocked at this lady who's just stolen this baby. Um, and uh, that's really funny. But yeah, that, so that comes after the dance sequence where Barbara Stanwyck and Dennis Morgan end up having to spend the night in jail. And which like, if you've been listening, you're like, that doesn't sound like a thing that happens in a Hallmark movie. Hallmark has smartly not included that in their other, you know, loose spiritual sequels. Yeah. Um, but, but they get arrested. Are those people even, it cops? seems to be a citizen's arrest. It's like, Hey, it's like hey you you're under arrest for this slay going way off the rails here it's like and bob and barbara sam is like oh sure i'll just get right in the back of this car mister no problem i think he is a cop because he does take them to jail and then bring them back home afterwards but it doesn't he doesn't present a badge he doesn't read them their rights (laughs) nothing just hey you didn't get too far in that sleigh ride did you Hop in the back of this car. We'll take it right down it's to like, the slam. It's winter, and so he's wearing an overcoat. Maybe he's wearing a uniform under it. He's definitely not in a uniform, though. He's just a normal guy in normal clothes with an unmarked vehicle who arrests them and then drops them off the next time you see him. You don't see him in jail or anything. Meanwhile, the kidnapping thing has no. happened. And then they get back, and, and they explain what's happened to the guy, and then he calls the whole kidnapping thing off, and it's sort of like... I, I don't did. Was felt unnecessary, I guess. To, to, on that, yeah, that part uh, could have been done without. But the whole and what, but going back a few steps, two two points. First of all, who who just shows up at your house like, oh, hey, I'm the mayor of this small town in Connecticut. We're having a dance tonight. And we'd like you to come. What do you say? Sure, no problem. We'll be right there. It's Christmas. It's, it's Christmas. What are you talking Eve. about you having a dance? Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't even think he just he doesn't describe it as like a Christmas dance either. It's just sort of like, yeah, this is the night we're having the dance. It, yeah, I know it's Christmas Eve. We didn't think of that beforehand. <laughs> um, and that's not really the vibe, but it's, it's like, know? I don't know. He describes it as sort of like, yeah, it's a, it's a town activity. I don't know. It doesn't seem specifically Christmas themed, I guess is what I'm saying, but maybe it's just a general celebration. It's not because it's they're doing like a Texas two-step and line, they are dancing. line dancing, but it looks fun. I don't know. <laughs> no, I know that it was just, it, that was a bizarre point. And when the cops dance or the alleged cops drop, <laughs> goes no, on it's quite too a long. while. There's multiple songs. <laughs> and how do you even know they were staying there? He's like, Hey, I heard you have uh, Jefferson Jones staying in your house. Well, today. I, Oh, you do. He's right here. Is this the young man? Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. I think, um, I guess you can credit it was just it's a, a small town and I don't know. Speaking of small yeah. town, question for you. Is your impression from this movie that people in the 40s considered Connecticut to be some sort of like backwater farm place or just that this specific vibe that this person was portraying was sort of this rustic farm vibe but they still thought of connecticut the way we kind of think of connecticut which is like mostly you know insurance and businesses having their headquarters there because they don't want to have their headquarters in new york 
Yeah, I, I have. That's a great question. I, I think it just the f- phrase "Christmas in I, Connecticut" works, and they said, well, "All right, we'll yeah, stick yeah. with that." Because <laughs> Christmas in Massachusetts doesn't. Because they're too sw- fun. treating it like you know, it's like Alabama or something. Nothing against Alabama, right, but my, yeah, my mind yeah, immediately right, right, went right. to like. The movie Sweet Home Alabama, where it's sort of like, oh, it's someone yeah. from the city, and now they have to like rough it in in this place, which uh, to which to its credit also has you know plenty of population centers, and but it's just like the the cultural totally. image of it. I more mean, I think they were trying to go for like a, a romanticized New England trope. Okay. Yeah, like, that's here's fair. a class. Here's snow on the ground at a farm in a New England winter, right? But and Connecticut is very rural. I, we think of Connecticut as just one ninety five, and you know Stamford and Bridgeport yeah. and Hartford, New Haven. But the western part of Connecticut is very rural. I, I do. I don't know if there's a farm that size out there, but who knows? Yeah, no, you're you're totally right. And like like everywhere, because people need food, there are farms. <laughs> There there certainly are. Right, right, right. Um, And hey, if people if people think that's what Connecticut's like, it's sort of Elizabeth Lane's fault because that's what she's been writing, saying, like, this is what I do. I go antiquing every weekend and it's all like, you know, cozy out here. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's playing the ruse. Yeah. They don't spend a lot Um, of time on it, but it is really convenient that John is just like, oh, you need a you need a farm in Connecticut that like you know happens to also have really nice stuff in it and isn't just sort of like a working commercial farm. I have that. That's where I live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Dudley's like, oh, you do have a farm in Connecticut. We could use that perfectly. Yeah. Although, never mind. That's that. That's not a plot hole. Barbara Stanwyck is like, yes, that's where I get all my information about farms. Is I'm just asking John, like, what's this like? on your farm and then she's writing that into the column so never mind right. my bad the movie's smarter than me right yeah but it's, it's the point is still is still valid because uh, well, in the beginning they're like oh what are we going to do uh yardley wants to come and host jefferson jones it's going to be great to sell articles and they, they totally forget that john exists for a minute and, and that he has a farm in connecticut then they build this whole other plot point yeah <laughs> Can you blame him for like forgetting John exists or maybe just subconsciously trying to exhaust every option before they ask John for help? <laughs> well, no, that's, that's a good point too. you because, um, Dudley's like, they, they want to fight each other in the beginning. He's like, gang, you get out <laughs> no, of this here. Guy just, sucks. Just an, why are you even in the house? Yeah. The house? How does John even get that's in? <laughs> That doesn't even make any sense. He just walks right in. Every movie we've done in the 40s features people just walking into other people's rooms and just having uh, expositional conversations. Um, it's really fun. Dudley's like, oh, hey, John's here. Just walk. Your stalker's here. Just walked right in your house. No yeah. police detail, no restraining order, nothing. Here's John again asking you out for the four millionth time. <laughs> Not just asking you out, but full on proposing. Yeah. Let's get married tomorrow. Great. Yeah. Sounds like yeah. a plan. Eventually she goes with it. So I guess John was right. And if it wasn't for this uh, war hero dream boat at exactly the wrong moment, happening to come happening to come a couple hours, not like 20 minutes, but a couple hours early, they'd have Two been hours legally early. married. 
If he had only come 90 minutes early, two hours early, they'd have been legally married. Yeah. 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 If he, he, he not even 90 minutes, if, if he would have came one hour and 57 yeah. minutes early, right, right. they would have been They were married. the vows. They were there. <laughs> yep. The judge was going to stand right in front of that fireplace and light himself on fire. I liked all the business of hiding people in different rooms. That felt very sitcom-y. Yeah. Felt a lot like... Very yeah, Scooby-Doo. Yes. Uh, Clue also I thought was thinking of. Yeah, I was, gonna, yeah. I was just thinking of Clue. But Scooby-Doo is probably an even better pull. Um, but those, those, those obviously tonally have a lot in common, too. Um, but yeah, anything else we want to say about like the movie, the action of it, whatever, before we get into ratings? Um, no, yeah. W- one other plot point yeah. that... Uh, was really annoying was when when the cops yeah. brought them back home and he basically was laughing he's like oh sorry sorry for this miscon this confusion here uh miss lane if we knew who you were we would have let you go right away you spent the whole night and you didn't figure that out 10 minutes into you arresting them your, their names you, but you let them stay in jail regardless yeah that guy <laughs> and and why do they you can't let them off the hook just because of they're rich that's not right they stole a sleigh. And they horses. really did. They made no attempt to not steal that sleigh. Right. They're like, ah, oh, I guess we're stealing it. <laughs> oh, we, we just sat here. Then the horse started moving. And then they're like, yeah, that was four miles ago, dude. <laughs> yeah, right. He doesn't say yeah. dude, but he does say like, and, and, eh, okay, sure. But that literally it's been four miles. You could have, you could have stopped. And he he says, "Well, the the horses just took off without us. I mean, with, without us knowing, we didn't prep, you know, yeah. whack them or anything to get them moving. It's like, oh, okay, cool, yeah, no problem. The the car I broke into, I, the gas pedal just hit itself. Yeah, that excuse wouldn't hold up in court. But obviously, these people don't have to worry about anything like that. Yeah, well, they would hold up in a court with held by that judge. That's for sure. You'd be like, oh yeah, sure, no problem. Wait, a baby? Who would have thought? <laughs> that judge." Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, and also too, I, I think I think the end was pretty weak. I, I thought the ending was. There's not a lot of comeuppance for anyone. So there's Felix. No. Felix is the only Nothing. one who's like driving, um, plot, <laughs> and he's multiple times sort of making a distraction or coming up with a story, and then other people go with it because they realize, oh, well, he knows what's up. He's he's got our best interest, and uh, so he makes up a story after. Sydney Greenstreet, the the publisher, Yardley, after he finds out what's actually happening, he's like, oh, you're fired then. And then um, Felix, not that long after, pretends as though the competitor magazine has made her an offer. So Sydney Greenstreet's like, oh, I'll double it. He goes in to talk to her about it. She yells at him a bunch and he's like, then never mind. And then she comes out at the end after... In the same room, actually, immediately afterwards, Jeff goes in because Mary Lee, the nurse, shows up. She tells Felix, but not him immediately, that she got married. So now the dreamboat guy isn't engaged. Felix finds this out. He tells Dennis Morgan to go in there and like let her know that he's not engaged. She's not married. It's cool. They can be together. They get married immediately. Sydney Green Street turns to the camera and goes, oh, what a Christmas. 
that's the movie. Yeah, and he has that weird, like, <laughs> what a Christmas. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wait, you you were just kind of an asshole. You don't get, like, the final jolly note. <laughs> the, the whole thing was so bizarre. And you are absolutely right. It's uh, Felix is the only one in this whole movie that drives plot. He's, he, the, he's only the only one. one. <laughs> um, and I, I don't like just, like, going, and then here's what happens next. But I felt like there is all of a sudden, like, a bunch of knots in the plot. And so you kind of just have to be like, okay, here's what happens. And then the movie ends. No, a hundred percent. Yeah. And, and Felix cooks the only, the way he gets Yardley to kidney. sort of repent the error of his way. Is he cooks him a bunch yep. of kidneys. The people do not take no for an answer. No, I don't either. even know if he even salted it. <laughs> it was people so are very demanding of anyone cooking. It's not just women. It's also Felix. Felix like, oh, yeah. no, I, I made this. This is specially yeah. for someone. This is spoken for. And you're at least like, but I really want it. <laughs> I really, really love a nice, big, hot. Oh, uh, you wouldn't disappoint me, would you? That That's something that, um, you know, <laughs> the uh, the male lead, Dennis Morgan, says to Barbara Sandwick when he's demanding to watch her wash a baby. And she. And, and she's like, oh, I'd really like rather not, you know, I'm hosting people downstairs. Like, it'd be cool to not do this. And he literally says to her, oh, you wouldn't disappoint me, would you? Or, or oh, yeah, you're not right, going to disappoint yeah. me, are you? And it's like, Jesus, dude. Yep. It's fucking rude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you flip a flapjack there? Oh, just one, Come on. Just one. Flip one for us. There's yeah. a great shot of three of the men who stand up at the table who are so stoked to watch her flip this flag, Jack, including John, who knows she yeah. can't. And then Felix is standing behind them, just like crossing his fingers and praying at the same time. It's, it's funny. Yeah, it says a that little dude, That dude's but, great. Uh, to your point, the only one, the only one driving the plot, the only one that has any expression on their face. <laughs> yeah. And she miraculously flips the flapjack with her eyes closed. It's a pretty good flip. Oh, it's perfect. Eight and a half. She's rotations. really bad at it. There's a whole sequence where Felix is trying to show her how to do it. She is. She is quite bad. <laughs> I, I watching that sequence too reminded me of like a I Love Lucy episode of her eating the chocolates yes. or something like that. You know what I mean? That was. I thought. I thought it was kind her of funny. Messing yeah. stuff up is really good. Um, real quick, back to Double Indemnity because that's my other pull for Barbara Stanwyck, just of movies I've seen. Um, she plays the femme fatale in that one, and it is sort of like the urtext for femme fatale. And um, even more so than Maltese Falcon, which is a couple years earlier, but the actual like noari, this is the lady trying to, you know, convince a detective to kill her husband for the insurance money, but then she's going to turn him in and keep the money for herself. That's that's Barbara Sandwick. Yeah. Like, to a T it is. And, and then she's very, all that to say very different personality in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I never seen double indemnity, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like she, there's like two different, there's two distinctly different act actresses in this movie. Yeah. Even though yeah, it's the yeah. same character. Because I mean, and then she, as the character has to perform for these people repeatedly too. So, Right. Anyway, in 1992, Arnold Schwarzenegger directed a, a direct to TNT sequel um, starring a lady I've literally never heard of. I, Diane I Cannon, who, who I don't. Yeah. I, I'm sorry to this lady. 
Um, Chris Christopherson is the dude and uh, uh, not that old, but old Tony Curtis is the uh, publisher type guy, but it's not print. It's a, a lady's a, a host of a TV show in which she's like, you know, she doesn't actually make the food herself or whatever, but it's like a, a home cooking show kind of thing. Anyway, <laughs> I, the trailer, the trailer, I, I know the movie's terrible, but the trailer doesn't make the movie look as bad as it's. Seen. It is still the only movie Arnold Schwarzenegger has a directing credit on. Um, is is this for some reason? I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. I would give that movie a chance just for him. He has doesn't he have a small cameo in it? As man in chair in front of media truck, uncredited cameo. Um, it does not look good. I'm sorry. I know the it has the potential though. The premise is a more the modern pre, the modern premise of the cooking show. I think is yeah. can work. Uh, I would be interested to see the movie where where it goes off the rails. Uh, Richard Roundtree is a supporting character in it. He's fourth bill. That's Shaft! Exclamation point. Shaft. Oh yeah, uh, he's in that too. So, I mean, it's a it's an interesting cast. I don't know. Um, no, Diane Cannon is. Uh, she was married to Cary Grant in the sixties. Yeah, this is um, this is a nearly sixty year old woman starring in that movie. That's fine. I mean, Chris Christopherson probably around the same age, right? So, so they age up. The she does She looks. If she's in her sixties. In that remake in 1992, she she's, does not look. I believe she's 55, uh, born 1937. So, yeah, yeah, 55. I mean, wow, she's still alive. She's okay. also she's in Ally McBeal. She's, she's got a fucking best supporting actress nomination for Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. What yep, and Golden Globe for Heaven Can Wait. Okay. Well, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do some uh, we're gonna have to do some homework here. Watch some of these films. Yeah. You got a Golden Globe nom for Heaven Can Wait. Yeah, all the all of these career highlights they end in the seventies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in nineteen ninety two, she's in the only movie Arnold Schwarzenegger's ever directed. So this is, uh, yeah, my my bad. This is a person. But but Arnold, you gotta you gotta give him. He tried. You gotta give him some credit for trying. I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. I can't can't fault the guy. So strange. Anyway. Uh, okay, yeah. So let's get to ratings on a scale of 0.5 to 5 on any scale of your choosing. What would you give Christmas in Connecticut? I forgot the name for a second. That's my bad. Um, you know, I, I I've had really high hopes for this movie because it's it's highly rated. A lot of lists had it uh up there. I thought this movie was just average. Yeah. So I'm gonna give this movie three and a half chicken Marylands out of five. I'm I'm right with you in pretty much lockstep of like, yeah, I had high hopes. Um, but then, yeah, this is, it's perfectly serviceable. I would say if you're going to use it the same way you would like a Hallmark movie or the same, that genre, which obviously Netflix is also in the business of making movies like that now too. That is to say, if you want to throw this on in the background while you're doing your laundry or whatever, it's really good for that. Um, but yeah, I'm also at the same score as you. I got to figure out my scale. Uh, I want it to be Uncle Felix related. And I am tired. So it's going to be three and a half Uncle Felixes out of five. 
<laughs> nice. That, that's that's perfect. He's the, he's the only redeemable and like worthwhile character I think in this movie. Yeah. I feel like we we soured on the movie as we were talking about it more, but that's okay. Yeah, but I, the, I came into this thinking plot, three point five was going to be my score. So, yeah, the plot. But I don't think I still think Inside Lewin Davis is the worst movie that uh, I've seen in relation to this podcast. <laughs> okay, I don't think this. I don't think this movie is that bad. Yeah, I the plot just. It just doesn't, it's too, it just feels too rushed and all over the place and kind of doesn't make any sense. Yeah, there, there's definitely ways it could be elevated that aren't too hard to think of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um, but perfectly serviceable. Yes, 100%. And it, uh, even today, if, you, if this was in color and on Hallmark, it would be, oh, I, this is exactly what I expect this to be. Yeah, 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 that's a, that's a great call. The, going back to the very, very beginning, all Jazzy Jeff wants is a steak and a baked potato yeah. and some asparagus with some holiday sauce. And this other guy comes in and he's like, I had the steak and today I ate chicken Maryland. And I was like, what the heck is that? I look it up. It's literally it's chicken and bananas. Oh, God. And it was like a classic dish. In this time period, in the 40s and early 50s, because bananas were a top 10 import into the port of Baltimore. It was like the, one of the okay. top 10 imported things into the port of Baltimore. So Baltimoreans apparently love this dish of chicken and bananas. Okay. And I don't think anybody's eaten it since at least 1952. Interesting. I've never heard of chicken Maryland, obviously, aside from the moment that it's mentioned at the beginning, but yeah. Um, speaking of chicken, speaking of movies we've talked about recently, the re the sequel of Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget is finally out. Are you going to watch it? Oh, a hundred percent. Apparent? Is it in theaters? No, it's just on Netflix. Oh, if it's on, yeah, I'm, I'll one hundred percent watch it. That was an excellent movie. Yeah, I'm really curious. There nice. you go. All right, dude. Um. We've been stringing these episodes recently together with an overlying theme. I'm keeping it simple in Christmas month for December. What is your go-to comfort watch that you throw on maybe repeatedly or just like that you throw on every couple years during the holiday season? Uh, for me personally, it's, I think I can watch home alone, uh, over and over and over again, like a million times. The, the, great the setting the trap sequence is my favorite sequence. Yeah, I don't think anyone uh, said Home Alone yet, but that's a great answer. Maybe any movie. So that that one, I can't stand uh, a Christmas story. I never want to watch that again. Okay, good. Um, we can keep doing these then, because that's the right answer. My girlfriend's family uh, is loves the movie White Christmas, which we could have done as a classic. Yeah. So uh, I I watch I watch that every year too. Never seen it. Uh, it's, it's, it's different. I've definitely seen like clips of it. I feel like in school or whatever, sometimes they just show as a movie, like, you know, the week before Christmas when you're not doing anything anyway. Yeah. And in a music class, I've definitely seen a small part of white Christmas. <laughs> I like in elementary school, but never the whole movie. Yeah. It's, and it's got Gene Kelly and, sure. um, it, it's, it's definitely a classic film, but. And it has the a commercial now plays that song Sisters, and that's what that's what that's from. Uh, Rosemary Clooney. Okay, cool. Well, isn't it? 
Yeah. That's a good answer. I've tried to pick a different one every episode, which has been kind of, obviously it gets harder as we go, but, um, Oh man, might've gone with home alone. If I still had it is, uh, the second one set in or, or around Christmas time. <laughs> I know it's in New York. Uh, lost i don't i don't know is it christmas time i don't know home alone too. i know donald trump's in it which feels christmasy but um yeah i just like hmm i kind of want to you know what i'm gonna yeah it, it takes place during christmas i'm gonna plug uh, this is this is to make this month a complete arboros to eat our entire own tail um i'm still thinking about how much i enjoyed black christmas that was the first episode we did this month. It was a new watch for me. Uh, I've talked to a few friends who were like big into horror who have all been like me. Oh, I've heard about that a lot. Uh, never gotten around to watching it. If you like horror at all, um, that black Christmas movie really surpassed the expectations of me and, and the people, Sam and Brie who were both on that episode. Um, that movie rocked. I ended up getting the shout factory 4k. It was on like a really deep discount. It's got, <laughs> several hours of bonus content on it. Um, so I'll be checking that out. You don't yeah. have to actually buy it though. It's also, I think just on Peacock and, and a couple other services that you might already have. Um, I think it's like 90 minutes long and it's really good. So worth, worth a watch. Yeah, no, I've never seen it, but it has, um, uh, Andrea Martin is in it. Yes. Yeah. And she looks the same. <laughs> She looks the same. It's just her in the seventies, so she's younger. But there's there's no mistaking Andrea Martin, <laughs> right? We yeah. talk about that in the episode because it comes in. And it's it's at, it's set at like a college um, sorority, and you're like, oh, I guess that person in the background, maybe that's Andrea Martin. And then it gets to her, and you're like, oh wait, nope, that's her. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, she she's also in um she's in Only Murders in the Building. Oh, I didn't know that. Good for her. What? Yeah, she's in the newest newest season quietly in a kind of amazing prolific uh prominent career in a lot of different oh. you know and i guess in tv now prolific. movies obviously and and uh so many tony award nominations for her stage work too yeah great character actress great bit actress yeah she's really good at black christmas yeah. <laughs> no i never seen that I'll, I'll check it out it's really good it's um Credited, at least in North America, for starting slasher movies. It's considered like the first slasher movie. So, um, by um, a lot of people, there's yeah, no, it, it's a, not, there's a debate, but it's one of the movies that's in that debate. All right, dude. Well, thanks. But one, yeah, go ahead. One thing I'll never do is spend Christmas in Connecticut. Yeah, I don't know if this is going to be on uh, on a <laughs> constant rewatch cycle for me, um, but I'm glad to have gotten another movie that's that ends up on a lot of these lists off of my list yeah. of movies to watch yep 100 percent. all right cool well anthony thanks for being here thanks for potting as always no thanks a lot happy holidays happy holidays you can find our stuff on linktree linktr.ee slash late to the movies and um you know uh uh is there even like a, a line to pull from this i don't know uncle felix is, is no, great my, kidney, my kidneys are done my kidneys are ready. I got to go. Oh, eat yeah. That, that's the one. Yeah. Let's go eat <laughs> some kidneys.